Imagine if your child left home in the early 1980s to walk to a friend's house and never came home. Years later, a reporter begins researching that girl's story and uncovers what is possibly a dark family secret involving another child. A mother takes a nap while waiting for a visit from her new boyfriend. But when she wakes up, her teen daughter is gone, leaving her shoes behind. And that mother learned some disturbing things about the man she was waiting for from the police. An artistic young woman receives a scholarship for a summer program and rides the bus into town to pick up school supplies and run an errand for her mother. She's never seen again after that day in 1970. Another teen has an older boyfriend and a history of leaving home for days at a time. But one afternoon, she leaves her home to go for a walk and vanishes, and the boyfriend has no idea where she's gone. There are a number of missing persons cases right here in the Carolinas, and some have received more media attention than others. These are the stories that tug at our heartstrings, make us pray it never happens to anyone in our families, and wonder if there is still any way to find closure for these missing persons and their loved ones. I'm Renee Robertson. Please join me for Missing in the Carolinas. Episode 32, Missing Teen Girls in North Carolina. The case of Donna Barnhill, who went missing on March 18, 1981, in Lexington, North Carolina, has so many unanswered questions, it's not hard to see why it hasn't been solved. According to official records, the 13-year-old left her family's home around 8.30 p.m. She planned to walk to a friend's home nearby. According to the friend, Donna called her not long after she left her house, but never arrived for the visit. The last published report shows that witnesses saw Donna walking along Hempstead Street. When you try to go back through the published articles and other information about this case, there isn't a whole lot to find. I couldn't locate any published interviews with family members, but that doesn't mean they aren't out there. Reporters and community members have not forgotten Donna's story, and it was while researching her disappearance that one local reporter discovered some unsettling information about another Barnhill child. In early February of 1966, two-year-old Anita Barnhill died at Baptist Hospital three days after she was admitted for what family members called a fall out of her high chair. The girl's father, Hubert Barnhill, was at work the morning she fell, and her mother, Mary Beam, was the only one home at the time of the incident. At the time of Anita's death, the coroner ruled it an accident. She was buried in an unmarked grave in the Lexington City Cemetery. In 1999, Brian Queen, a reporter for the local news station WXII, covering Donna's disappearance, requested to see a copy of the autopsy report of Sister Anita's death. When the Forsyth County coroner, Patrick Lance, reviewed the report, he found evidence of child abuse. After seeing that Anita was covered in bruises from head to toe and had a severe head injury as the result of a sharp blow, he reclassified the case of death as a homicide. But the district attorney declined to bring criminal charges against anyone in the death of Anita, 
saying they didn't believe they had enough evidence to make a solid case against a suspect. In August of 2018, an organization called the Community United Effort Center for Missing Persons placed a headstone on Anita's grave. Anita's youngest sister and cousin were in attendance for the ceremony. At the time, Q founder Monica Kaysen said, This child's death was tragic and has gone almost unnoticed for all these years. Even more tragic is her sister remains one of the oldest missing persons cases in North Carolina. We are not going away and giving up until she is found and laid to rest with her sister. In July of 1999, a young Hispanic woman was found murdered outside a migrant labor camp near Sampson, North Carolina. Investigators estimated she was between 17 and 24 years old at the time, and she remains unidentified. The article I found excluded several missing women from the state of North Carolina as possible matches, and Donna Barnhill was one of them. When she went missing, Donna stood five foot seven and weighed around 135 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes, is Caucasian and Native American, and has a mole or birthmark on her right arm. She would be 53 years old today. Anyone with information on this case is asked to call the Lexington Police Department at 336-243-3302. Next, I'd like to talk about 16-year-old Tamika Pridgen, who went missing from LaGrange, North Carolina on May 13th 2001. Tamika's case is one of those stories where you can read between the lines and figure out what must have happened to her, but because there is a complete lack of physical evidence, her case has gone cold. Tamika's mother, Cassandra Best, said she last saw her daughter in their home outside of Goldsboro around 10.30 p.m. Cassandra was waiting for a visit from her boyfriend when she dozed off. She woke up around midnight and discovered Tamika was missing. She noticed the shoes Tamika had been wearing were still in the house, as was her daughter's purse. When she called the police, they couldn't find any signs of forced entry into the home. They discovered Tamika had been on the phone with a friend that night and ended the call when she said someone was knocking on her front door. Cassandra was shocked to discover the boyfriend she was waiting for that night, a man named Eric Moore, had been convicted for a sex crime, kidnapping, assault, and theft. The police chief at the time shared this news with Cassandra, who then had a gut feeling Eric must have been responsible for taking Tamika against her will. In 2006, Eric Moore was convicted of a sex crime that occurred after Tamika's disappearance. He served a prison sentence and has since been released. Investigators have not said if he is a person of interest in Tamika's disappearance, but searches of LaGrange and the surrounding areas have never turned up any signs of the young girl. At the time of her disappearance, Tamika Pridgen stood 5 feet 7 inches tall and weighed 165 pounds. She is black with brown hair with blonde highlights and brown eyes. Anyone with information is asked to call the LaGrange Police Department at 252 527-5117. Next, I'd like to talk about a young woman named Sherry Lee Truesdell. Sherry's story is another one of those cases that doesn't have a lot of background information because she went missing such a long time ago. 
but family members have not given up on the idea of resolution. On June 13, 1970, 14-year-old Sherry left her home in Winston-Salem around 11.30 a.m. and took the bus to a local shopping mall to purchase school supplies. Sherry, who was described by those who knew her as a quiet, studious young woman, had won a scholarship to attend a summer fine arts program at Mount Tabor High School, which is why she needed to buy supplies. While she was out, she planned to go by Rayless Department Store to make a payment on the charge account her mother had there. A clerk at Rayless later reported seeing Sherry around 4.30 p.m. that day. She never arrived home. Because this was out of character for Sherry, her parents reported her missing the next day. According to the Charlie Project website, investigators launched a six-week search of the Winston-Salem area, including nearby Happy Hill Park, which was just a few blocks away from Sherry's home. There was a heavy rainstorm the night Sherry went missing, and one of the theories was that Sherry had accidentally drowned in one of the creeks at the park while on her way home. But there was no evidence ever uncovered to support this theory. There were never any other reported sightings of Sherry after the clerk from the department store, and in May of 2013, Sherry's older sister Ernestine Chambers told the Charlotte Observer that they were still hoping they could find out what happened. In the article, she mentioned that their mother had looked at the bus stop near their home every day after Sherry disappeared, hoping she would get back off the bus and return home one day. Sherry Lee Truesdale is an African-American female who stood four feet two inches tall and weighed around 42 pounds when she went missing. She has brown eyes and black hair. She has a mole above her upper lip and on the base of her neck. When she was last seen, she was wearing a blue shirt, blue bell-bottom pants, brown loafers, and pentagon-shaped aqua blue earrings. Anyone with information on this case should call the Winston-Salem Police Department at 336-773-7848. And now let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. I've always enjoyed writing fiction, but I didn't really get serious about it until I was in my 30s. After submitting to the WOW Flash Fiction Contest a few times, I was thrilled when I placed as a runner-up with my piece titled In the Depths. WOW still hosts quarterly writing contests every three months, and I highly recommend entering this contest. The entry fees are minimal, and you can also purchase a critique to get feedback on your story once the contest is finished. The mission of this contest is to inspire creativity, great writing, and provide well-rewarded recognition to contestants. The contest is open globally, age is of no matter, and entries must be in English. And the best part is that the contest is open to all genres, from romance to science fiction to thriller suspense to literary fiction. The Fall 2021 Flash Fiction Contest with literary agent Aaron Clyburn with the Jennifer D. Chiara Literary Agency closes November 30th. And now, let's get back to the show. 15-year-old Amy Gibson was living in Greensboro, North Carolina at the time of her disappearance on December 7, 1990. Her case is similar to Sherry Truesdale's, because it didn't seem like she was planning to leave permanently the last time her family saw her. On the day she went missing, she left her home on Liberty Road and planned to walk up the street for a short period of time. 
She didn't have any belongings with her when she left. According to the reports I read, Amy's mother had reported her missing four different other times, but she had usually returned home after a few days. In the past, Amy had been with her boyfriend, who was 20 years old and had his own apartment in Greensboro. But when she went missing in December of 1990, she was not found at her boyfriend's home. Her mother told one newspaper that she had even staked out the boyfriend's apartment several times at 2 and 3 a.m., but she never saw any signs of Amy. There has never been any activity on Amy's social security number, and she has not been issued a driver's license or state ID card under her name. When she disappeared, Amy stood 5 feet 6 inches tall and weighed 110 pounds. She is a white female with brown hair and brown eyes, and also had extensive dental work done. She was wearing a purple or red flannel shirt, jeans, and black boots. Anyone with information regarding the whereabouts of Amy Gibson is asked to call the Greensboro Police Department at 336-373-2222. And finally, one more missing person. A 16-year-old young woman named Kimberly Thrower went out to her bus stop at Stevens Circle in Laurenburg at 7 a.m. on the morning of April 29, 2004, and has not been seen since. Some witnesses reported seeing her walking away from the bus stop and into the woods with a black male, but there have never been any other confirmed sightings of her since that day. The local police initially classified the young woman's case as a runaway, but they are now considering foul play since she is still missing. She is described as Native American, although no specific tribal information is available, and she has brown hair, brown eyes, and her tongue and ears are pierced. Anyone with information about Kimberly Thrower should call the Scotland County Sheriff's Office at 910-276-3385. This brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Missing in the Carolinas. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and give it a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're also now on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, so please like our pages and get started on a discussion of the missing people profiled on the show. Do you know of a missing persons case in North or South Carolina that you think should be covered? Email me at missinginthecarolinas at gmail.com with any details you can share. And don't forget to check out our sponsor, WOW Women on Writing, and the great programs and writing contests they have to support writers at www.wow-womenonwriting.com. Cover art for this podcast was designed by Macintosh Multimedia. All episodes are researched and written by me, Renee Robertson, with sound editing provided by Mia Robertson. Thank you so much for listening.